I'm in the health industry. I'm in the health coaching space. Do you know how many health coaches exist? I'm a business coach. Do you know how many business coaches exist? I'm in an industry that many would consider saturated. So when I say the difficulty in replacing you, I'm not saying there's not a million other people that's doing what you do. I'm saying, what is your unique qualifier for making somebody stick with you as their health coach, stick with you as their business coach? Just because someone can live with a disease doesn't mean they should. The overwhelming majority of prescriptions written today are written to treat lifestyle disease. Lifestyle disease is defined as conditions which can be attributed to the way in which a person lives. This includes things like physical activity, drinking, smoking, stress, the quality of our social connections, sleep, purposeful and professional alignment, and of course, our diet. But what if there was an alternative? What if before putting pen to pad, we had a comprehensive solution in lieu of pills and procedures? You are listening to the Plant Protocol Podcast for current and aspiring health professionals who are done with simply managing chronic lifestyle challenges and are interested in taking a whole food plant-based approach to combating them. I'm your host, Lisa A. Smith. It's time to come get this health. Today, I'm going to be sharing the three things that will always govern the amount of money you earn. If you are a person who are in a position where you're like, it's not enough, I need more, I gotta get more money up in here so that I can do things that I desire without feeling strapped, without feeling like I'm barely making it, without just covering enough to make enough, then you need to listen very closely to these three things that I'm about to share that will always govern the amount of money that you earn. Now, this comes from, this is actually a concept that we teach our coaches inside of the plant protocol. If you guys don't know, I'm Lisa A. Smith. I'm a plant-based health and business coach, and I help plant-based vegans package their lifestyle and their passion into a specialized health coaching business. And we prioritize three things inside of the plant protocol. It is mastery of the science, it's integrity in their practice, and it is confidence in coaching. But we also, you know, really hit on three key areas that are necessary to have a successful business. So that is mastery of the science, but then that is also confidence in our ability to help someone transform. And then that is also business acumen. So we really make sure that we cover the whole spectrum of what our coaches need in order to have a successful health coaching business. However, one of the things we definitely talk about is money. And today I'm going to give you something that we give our students inside of the plant protocol that is really effective and helping them to understand how they should be pricing their services. And that thing is the law of compensation. Now, I did not create the law of compensation. This actually comes from Bob Proctor, who has been in the game a long time. He's in the personal development space. And Bob Proctor the so law of compensation really outlines the three things that you need to know. And so I share this repeatedly with our coaches inside of the plant protocol so that they can understand um, how to begin to price their services. So here it is. Here's the three things that will always govern how much money you earn. The law of compensation says you will always earn 
based on the need for what you do. That's number one. Your ability to do it, that's number two. And the level of difficulty in replacing you, that's number three. So what you earn will always be determined by the need for what you do, your ability to do it, and the level of difficulty in replacing you. Now, let me break these three things down really quickly because when I learned the law of compensation, I was like mind blown. This is so true. When I just think about how our, the makeup of our society, when I think about the lowest earners in our society versus the highest earners in our society, when I think about you know what it takes to really ascend to a level of financial freedom that most of us look forward to, this law of compensation is spot on. What you earn will always be in direct relation to the need for what you do, your ability to do it and the difficulty in replacing you. So let's start with the first one, which is the need for what you do. Here is the question I want you to pose to yourself when it comes to the need for what you do. Can you articulate your own value? Can you articulate your own value? Can you articulate why what you do is necessary? Because notice the beginning of the law of compensation doesn't just say the desire for what you do. It says the need for what you do. Some of us are offering services that are just desirable, but not necessary. And so this kind of draws a line of demarcation between a nice to have and a must have. So when it comes to the services you provide or the products you provide in the marketplace, if you're a business owner or you know in the job market, if you are in a career working for someone else, if you are dissatisfied with how much you're making, if you're dissatisfied with the amount you're bringing in, you want to step back and ask yourself about the need for what you do. Is it a must have or is it just a nice to have? But more importantly, if you know it's a must have, if your skill set is aligned with a need that someone absolutely must have, the question you then must ask then, like if I know what I do is necessary, is needed, have I mastered the art of articulating my own value? Do you have the language that's necessary to go into a job interview, for example, or to apply for opportunity, for example? Do you have the language to go in there and defend why you're necessary? What problem do you solve that absolutely needs to be solved by you? Why is your skill set necessary? And this is not about proving yourself. Let me make a very clear distinction here. Right. We know, especially as, as people of color, we're oftentimes forced to prove ourselves and we have to check all the boxes, dot all the I's, cross all the T's. Like, I'm not telling you to exist in that reality because that is taxing on our mental. However, as humans, as individuals, we absolutely must be able to articulate our own value if we want to increase our earning potential. If you want to make more money, there one has to be a need for what you do, especially in economic times that are uncertain. When economic times are un uncertain, kind of like in the period that we're in now, where inflation is at an all time high, the cost of necessities have gone up like gasoline and groceries. People are being more particular about where they spend their money. And so if you're trying to extract more money out of the marketplace, you have to be a must have and not a nice to have. So are you able to articulate your own value? And is there an absolute need 
for what you do. And if people are categorizing you as a nice to have and not a must have, how can you change that? Maybe it's just the language. You don't need to necessarily pivot careers. You don't need to quit everything. You just need to practice articulating your value. Okay, so as a as a plant based business coach, for example, I help plant based vegans package their lifestyle into a specialized coaching business. And if I am not able to articulate why that's necessary to my prospects, they're going to see me as something that they can take or leave it. I can leave it or take it. So is there a need for what you do that is obvious to the people you are selling to, right? Whether that be like going into a company and applying for a job, you're selling yourself to them for that position or whether that be in your own business and you're selling a product or service to the marketplace. If you're not able to articulate the need for what you're selling, then you are not going to be seen as high priority when it comes to investing, whether it comes to a company investing in you or whether it comes to a consumer investing in you. So is there a need for what you do? And the operative question you ask yourself is if it is, if you believe there is a need for what you do, can you articulate your own value to make it plain why you're necessary and not a nice to have? So that's number one. So let's continue to go through the law of compensation. Bob Proctor also says how much you earn will always be governed by your ability to do it. So if we've checked box number one, yes, Lisa, there's an absolute need for what I do. And I feel like I'm really good at articulating my own value and saying why what I offer is necessary. Well, then the next thing that's going to determine how much you're able to earn is your ability to do it. Right now, let's be very clear, right? There are different levels of mastery that exists across every spectrum of every sector. I don't care whether you're in accounting. I don't care if you're in coaching. I don't care if you're a personal trainer. You know, I don't care if you're a doctor, a lawyer, a nurse. It doesn't matter what field you're in. One thing all of us know for certain is that everyone is not created equal, right? When it comes to mastery of our craft. And so if you want to increase your earning potential and increase the amount of money you're able to extract out of the marketplace, you must be able to do your thing at a high level. So here's the question I want you to ask yourself for number two. That question is, how hard have you worked to do it well? Just because you can do something doesn't mean you're exceptional, right? And if you want to stay where you are and simply increase the amount you earn, there has to be a level of mastery that surpasses the average professional in your space. So how hard have you worked to do what you do well? Have you reached a heightened level of mastery? Now, for me, this brings up what we teach our students around at continuing education. Sometimes, especially if we've been doing what we do for a very long time, we can begin to take it for granted. And after a while, we simply use the time that we have in the game as evidence of our mastery. Oh, I've been in this industry for 10 years. Oh, I've been doing this for five. I've been a personal trainer for 20 years. I've owned my own gym. I've had my own business. I've been processing taxes for 15 years. And we think the amount of time that we have is evidence of our mastery. 
Let me tell you something. That is not true. And if you have been relying on time in the game as evidence of mastery, you need to wake up because the way you improve your earning potential for number two here is by making sure you are constantly doing continuing education. I've been a plant-based health coach for many years. I've worked with hundreds of people. That does not exclude me from constantly studying my craft. Your ability to do what you do well will always be correlated with how much you can earn, point blank, period. Don't think, I've been a doctor for this many years. I've been in law enforcement this many years. I've been truck driver for this many years. And all of a sudden, that means you have reached a skill level and an expertise level that surpasses so many others. Somebody who is your junior can come into your space and is so committed to continuing education and knowing everything there is to know about their field that they can surpass your earning potential. And we will get in our feelings about it, right? Like they only been doing this two years. I've been doing it 10. Yeah, but you have not prioritized doing what you do well. So your earning potential will always be correlated by one, the need for what you do. And then two, how well you do it, your ability to do it well, okay? And so I am constantly, because I'm a plant-based business coach and I help other plant-based vegans package their lifestyle into a plant-based coaching business, I constantly study business. It doesn't matter that I have my own business. It doesn't matter that I have my own plant-based coaching program. There are still aspects of business and of service-based business, of health coaching businesses that I need to stay abreast of and on top of in order to demand the amount I wanted to demand from an earning point of view from the marketplace. And you have to do the same. So your ability to do it well, the operative question you're gonna write down here for number two is, how hard have I worked to do what I do well? Just because you have a bunch of experience, has there been some changes in your industry? Has there been some new laws and regulations in your industry? Has there been new marketing and sales approaches in your industry that you are not as familiar with that you need to be? Okay, so how hard have you worked to do what you do well? And then finally, let's get to number three. Bob Proctor says in this law of compensation, you're uh, the level of difficulty in replacing you. How much you earn will always be determined by the need for what you do. We went over that. Your ability to do it, we covered that. But this final one is the icing on the cake. The level of difficulty in replacing you. Now, this is the one that truly, truly adds zeros after the comma, okay? How hard is it to replace you? Here's the operative question that I want you to ask yourself for number three. And that is, What have you done to make replacing you more costly than keeping you? What have you done to make replacing you more costly than keeping you? That is the operative question. If you are are feeling like you're not making it enough that you need to make in order to live the quality of life that you desire to live, and it doesn't matter if you're making that amount in your own business or working for someone else, is replacing you more expensive than keeping you? Would someone rather keep you and pay you whatever you're asking to be paid rather than replacing you? 
Have you done the work to increase your value that much? Okay, wait, I hate to interrupt me, but this is just too good not to share. So the answer you have been asking for has arrived. You've probably heard me several times mention our specialized health coaches over at the Plant Protocol. Well, I am so happy to announce that our specialized plant-based health coaches are now ready to start accepting clients. So what you've probably heard me advertise before is our application for our plant-based coaching certification, right? That is our primary product at the Plant Protocol. We help plant-based vegans package their lifestyle into a health coaching business. However, I am so happy to announce that we are now currently accepting applications for those of you who desire to have a personalized plant-based one-on-one health coaching experience to help take your health from a liability to an asset. So what's the difference? So we now have two different tracks. One is for the individual who just wants to adopt a whole food plant-based regimen to combat chronic health challenges. And the other track is for individuals who are already plant-based vegan and desire to have their own health coaching business. The link to both is in the show notes. You click on that link and you decide, are you here to help myself or help others? And that is the track you choose. So if you are someone who's been battling chronic health challenges for three months or longer, and you really, really love the information you're learning about a plant-based lifestyle, but you know you can no longer do it yourself, you know you're not qualified to take it to the next level, maybe you've removed some animal products, done some things on your own, got a few results, but you need to go further, and it's time to attach yourself to a professional to do that, Click that link in the show notes and apply for health coaching with us at the Plant Protocol. Listen, my plant-based professionals are sitting on ready to help you. Listen, if you're looking for diversity, if you're looking for culturally relevant information, if you're looking for somebody who understands the science, the lifestyle, and the mindset that's required to truly adopt this lifestyle, then we are what you're looking for. Won't he do it? Yes, he will. So listen, maybe you already live the lifestyle, But, you know, you want to refine your journey a little more because you actually desire to become a coach one day, but you're not super confident in the way you live the lifestyle currently. You also want to click the link in the show notes so that you can become qualified for the certification because we help whole food plant-based vegans who have had a significant transformation, take that transformation and turn it into a health coaching business. So you're either battling a chronic health challenge and want to eradicate it or you're already living the lifestyle, but you want to refine it a little more so that you can pivot into your health coaching career. Either way, click that link in the show notes and come get this help. Now, where was I? And we think we think about this because I was having a conversation with a couple of people in the last couple of weeks. And in both instances, they work for other people and they were kind of complaining about the fact that, you know, these big companies, they should pay their workers more. It doesn't make sense that You know, they make all the money at the top and then the workers get paid so little. And in these conversations, as a business owner, I gave them the other side of that perspective. I was like, you have to understand how much is required to run a business, how much has to be taken into consideration when considering your salary, right? And one of the biggest things that is taken into consideration when businesses are deciding what to pay people is how replaceable are you? Can I get somebody in here in a couple of days if you leave today to do what you're doing? 
How forgettable are you? How replaceable are you? I remember early on in my career, I worked at a call center and I worked at a call center for um, information. Like remember back in the day before Google, people used to like 411 or whatever. And so we worked at a call center that was kind of like Google. <laughs> it was like 411, like, what is this? I need to find a number to this, whatever. And in this call center, the call center had a super high turnover rate. Like we will see new people all the time. We'll see people here one day, gone the next. Why? Because training us for the job was basic. We didn't need any specialized skills to do the job. We probably had to know English. We probably had to be able to read. <laughs> we probably had to, you know, be articulate. And that's it. You know what I mean? People you can find that can read, that know English and are pretty much articulate and can do and work a basic function on a computer. That was it. I'm replaceable. How dare me demand that you should be paying me 20 more dollars an hour for this job? Ma'am, you have not done anything to make yourself special. I can get 100 more people in here tomorrow to do what you do. And so... How difficult it is it to replace you will always play the biggest role in how much you're able to earn, even with your own business. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something that literally just happened, okay? Because I'm not saying that you have to be in a uncrowded industry. Like, I'm in the health industry. I'm in the health coaching space. Do you know how many health coaches exist? I'm a business coach. Do you know how many business coaches exist? I'm in an industry that many would consider saturated. So when I say the difficulty in replacing you, I'm not saying there's not a million other people that's doing what you do. I'm saying, what is your unique qualifier for making somebody stick with you as their health coach, stick with you as their business coach? Let me give you an example. A space that is also not uncrowded is like the um, cleaning space. I don't know the proper word. I know I'm not supposed to say the word made, but I don't know what the proper word is, right? But I have a house cleaner that comes to my house and cleans, okay? So I have a person who comes and cleans my home, okay? And I went through several people over the last year to the point I almost broke down and started cleaning myself because I am so sick of having people come in here who don't clean to the level that I want, right? And so. The last person who I had come clean, she came in here. I think the appointment, I found her through an app. I found her through Angie's List, I believe, right? So I booked her through Angie's List. And I think the appointment was only scheduled for like two hours, right? It was, I paid for a two-hour cleaning. And she came in my home and she cleaned like this was her own home. I watched this woman. I was just walking past one of my bathrooms one day. And I saw this lady on her hands and knees cleaning my bathroom floor. Out of all the cleaners I've had come in here in the last year, I have, I've, I've seen them clean the floor with like a Swiffer and a broom, but I ain't never seen nobody scrubbing on their hands and knees, right? This lady cleaned my home like it was her home and the president of the United States was coming over that afternoon. I was beside myself with satisfaction, okay? And she was like, when she got finished, first of all, she was here much longer than two hours on her first visit. 
She was like, this was my first time here. I really just wanted to do a really deep cleaning for you. Like there was some spots you needed some deep clean. And I'm like, I needed some deep clean. And I'm like, I have somebody come here every couple of weeks and I still need a deep cleaning. And she was like, you, I just needed to get in there. She was like, you know, going forward when I come back, I'll likely not have to spend as much time because I've done a deep cleaning. She's like, but it was just some things I wanted to get. And she was like, you know, your jets in your upstairs bathroom. I'm going to look up something because I really I saw a little grime in there that I couldn't get to. I mean, she was breaking down the cleanliness or lack thereof in my home in language that I was barely able to keep up with. I'm like, ma'am, what? I didn't even know cleaning got this sophisticated, right? So needless to say, since that first deep cleaning, she has been back up in here every single couple of weeks on a regular cadence. I have snatched her from Angie. So I already, I said, um, I know I got you through Angie's list, but let's go ahead and make this official. How much is going to cost me to just hire you directly? We can take out the middleman so you can get all of your money. Let's put me on a regular schedule. Like I need you in my life, right? And she's so cool. Like she's a black woman. We be having conversations. I'm giving her pro tips on how she can expand her business. It's wild, right? My point is there is no shortage of cleaners in the world, right? Like, trust me, I know I've been through a lot of them. There's no shortage of cleaners, but she have done a level of work that has made the cost of replacing her so damn expensive. Do you know what I did the last time she was here? She was here last week or the week before, right? For her regular appointment. And we got to talking about business, right? Because when she came two times before, she brought her daughter with her to help her. And this time she didn't bring her daughter. So I was like, oh, your daughter didn't come with you this time. You know, I'm just chatting her up. And she said, no, she ended up getting a job. I'm so proud of her. She just helps me out sometime. And I was like, but I thought you said you needed help. She was like, I do. I'm swamped. I have so many clients. I need help. So, of course, the business coach in me went crazy. And um, I offered her some tips on you know how she could start positioning her cleaning business to grow and scale so that she's not overwhelmed and we got to talking about money and she was telling me you know how how she try she tries to stay affordable and how she tries to keep her price point at a price point that most people can afford and i'm using air quotes here <laughs> because we're going to talk about affordability later this week and why you know people need to get away from i'm trying to be affordable language but anyway and so she was, I was like, well, you charge this much per hour, but how much would you prefer to charge per hour? And she was like, well, ideally to make it worth it for me or whatever, and to really cover the cost of my cleaning supplies and travel and all of that, this is how much I would prefer to be being paid an hour. So she was charging $10 less per hour than what her preference was and also what her need was from a cost perspective of what it costs to run her business. And... Me asking all of those questions and digging into her business, by the end of the session of her cleaning my home, I done talked myself into paying a higher rate. Because at the end of the session, I was like, well, I guess after our whole conversation this morning, <laughs> I can't continue to pay you the rate that I've been paying you. I need to pay the rate you said you really think you deserve and you want to know why? Because I think she deserves it too. She has made very evident to me that the cost of replacing her will be way more expensive than paying her just 10 more dollars an hour. And so I inadvertently, through my conversation, but then also via her excellence, talked myself <laughs> into paying a higher rate to this lady. The cost of replacing her was too great. She's always on time. 
she was so worried about being late one day. She just came an hour early. I'm like, what? <laughs> like she's always on time. She's always professional. She is always does an excellent job, right? It's just the cost of replacing her is too great because I got to find somebody else. I got to invite them into my home, which is a personal thing that makes me nervous sometimes, right? I have to teach them how I like my home to be cleaned. I have to get to know them. Like there's so much that comes into hiring somebody new. So have you been able to do that in your own life? Have you increased the cost of replacing you through excellence, through continuing education, through making sure you know your industry and your sector so well and you're so phenomenal at it that someone will be willing to possibly pay more than what you're already asking or do or give you some other type of form of compensation that might not be monetary in order to keep you because losing you is not even an option in their eyes. The amount you make will always be governed, most importantly, by the cost of replacing you. And I've prioritized this throughout the years in many positions that I've held. I remember when I was a social worker for the state of Michigan, I worked in foster care. Suffice it to say, like, there's a lot of social workers, right? That is not a field that's lacking. Well, it is kind of. We always need more. But the reason we always need more is because there's such a high turnover, because the work can be so rigorous and it can be so taxing. Caseloads are like super high for most social workers. And I was a social worker for the state of Michigan. So the, although there were a lot of people who was doing what I was doing as a foster care worker, the way I increased the level of difficulty in replacing me in that role, for example, is I specifically specialized in working with teenagers as a foster care worker, which is a population that is not always desirable in the foster care system because most people, it's harder to find homes for teenagers. You know, most foster care parents tend to be more afraid of taking teenagers in. They prefer to take in younger kids typically. And so most teenagers feel abandoned multiple times by their biological family. Then they start feeling abandoned by the foster care system. They feel like, you know, people have this negative connotation of them, like they're already bad. They're already set in their ways. They're going to be too much trouble. I prefer to take younger kids. And so one way I increased the level of difficulty in replacing me as a foster care worker was one, I specialized in working with teenagers, but then also I became what was called the MYOI coordinator for Oakland County. There was only one MYOI coordinator for Oakland County. And this is just a role that I held that specialized in working with a special population of foster care children. And so the teenagers would come to my office every month and I would coach them on life skills. And we would talk about different subjects about just living a higher quality of life. And so I was the MYOI coordinator for Oakland County. I increased the level of difficulty in replacing me. There was a bunch of foster care workers, but there was only one MYOI coordinator and that was me. And so how can you do the same thing for yourself, whether you're working for someone else like I was as a foster care worker or whether you're working for yourself? How can you make it so that people see you as a necessity if we're in uncertain economic times like we are now where people are really micromanaging their spend, when people are really micromanaging how much money is going out? How can you stay on their priority list? What have you done to increase the level of difficulty in replacing you? 
you know, I, I'm really proud of our coaches that we have inside of the plant protocol because when you come inside of the plant protocol, you're with me for a minimum of a year. When you come on, you're agreeing to a minimum of a year. But well over 60% of our coaches decide to stay longer than a year. That data shows me that I have increased the level of difficulty in replacing me as a coach. They may not be where they want to be yet in their business, and they have the option to find another coach or to try and DIY it. But they have decided to stay on because of so much value they're getting from the program and from the community that they feel they are now seeing it as a necessity, not just a nice to have, but a must have. So those are the three things that will always govern what you earn. Bob Proctor's law of compensation changed the game for me. So I'm hoping this was helpful for you from a money mindset standpoint and gives you three things that you can really take an intimate look at with regard to your own earning potential and work on them if necessary, if you haven't been quite satisfied where you are with regard to your earning potential. Until next time, y'all. Ciao. You tuned in today because like me, you're a disruptor. You're passionate about health and you have firsthand experience of taking a whole food plant-based approach to combating chronic health challenges. You want to see lifestyle and dietary modifications become the norm in the way in which we practice healthcare. However, you need mastery around nutrition and lifestyle science, a better understanding of behavior change to improve client compliance, and confidence in your ability to effectively coach clients to adopting those lifestyle modifications. You need the plant protocol. Visit theplantprotocol.com to apply and let's work together to improve the way in which we care for our most prized possession, our health. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast. Until next time, remember, radical obedience is still undefeated. Stay obedient.